You're listening to episode 18 of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Rochard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice, and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on Money Owners Coaching, the podcast, the homework, and everything I have to offer, visit moneyowners.com. What is happening, my fellow money owners? We're here today with episode 18, which I honestly, I can't even believe it. 18 episodes. That is nuts. Come on. High five me. (laughs) Anyways, today I want to talk about a topic um, that's all about following advice. Um, So... I think I'm about almost six months in into this podcast, and one of the biggest reasons why I'm doing this is because I want to help more than just my small group of clients that I have in my financial planning practice. I really wanted to take the time to sit down and bring together my thoughts on all the things that I work on with clients and just share it with the world in a concise manner that is digestible and practical and something that you guys can do. Um, and where you can at least at the very least get yourself started doing. And I, um, I went with my associate planner last week to this continuing education class, um, that was all about how to follow advice, (laughs) which I know sounds like crazy. Oh, you're in like the business of giving advice and you don't know how to like give advice that people can follow. Um, and it's, um, this, this woman who is a PhD, her name is Dr. Moira Summers. Um, she wrote this book called Advice That Sticks. And um, of course, I love the title because it's like, you know, a catchy pun. <laughs> and I'm like corny like that. But that's besides the point. Um, I actually haven't read her book yet. Um, I have it on order and it'll hopefully come sometime soon. But um, the the class itself was really interesting. It was about an hour and a half long. And she went into all of kind of the major mistakes that we make as advice givers and why it is that we can't seem to take advice in general, um, which I found to be really interesting because since I obviously am in the business of it, of giving advice, it's really important that the advice that I give clients and that I give to you on this podcast is something that you're actually able to do and want to do and can listen to and stick to. And the number one thing she said which I found to be really interesting is that you have to have agreement. I know it's like, of course, duh. (laughs) Why didn't I think of that sooner? Of course I have to have agreement. Um, (laughs) So when I heard that, I was just like, of course, yeah, this is like the best thing in the world. Um, And what did she mean by that? So agreement, what she meant, right, is like when I'm in a room giving advice to a client, that client has to agree that the advice that I'm giving them is in their best interest and that we're going down the right path for them. So um, this actually just applies across the board, but I'll refer to what we did in our last episode, which was all about budgeting, right? So if you were listening to this podcast and you love this podcast, and then we had the episode on budgeting and you were like totally turned off by it because you think budgeting is the worst thing that you've ever heard on earth, nothing I'm going to say in that episode is really going to help you with budgeting, right? Because you are not on board with the idea of budgeting. 
Whereas somebody who sought out this podcast specifically for budgeting, right, might not get anything out of some of the other episodes, but would see the episode on budgeting and want immediately to just soak up all the information that was in that podcast. Um, And I think that we do this in general. So I don't know if that this is, you know, I hope that you kind of relate to this information as I'm putting it out there. But I know that like when I'm really looking for information or when I know that I need to make a change in my life, right? I go out of my way to do research and to find stuff and to try to listen to people who I trust about what it is that I need to do. Um, And that's what agreement means, the first level. So I think when it comes to sticking to advice in general, right? Like, because a lot of this podcast isn't actually about you reaching out to a financial professional to get advice, but it is about you finding the right information and then being able to internalize that information apply it to your specific situation and actually stick to your own advice in that case, right? Maybe it is the advice of somebody else. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's somebody else that you found on the internet or whoever it is that you're looking towards for financial advice, but you're still internalizing it and you still have to apply it to your own specific situation. And it has to be something that you actually agree with and something that you can actually do. So the first two steps to being able to make behavior changes in general and to be able to set yourself on the right foot towards financial freedom or whatever it is that you want to be doing with your finances is to make sure you have agreement with yourself that that's actually something that you want to be doing. And also figuring out a way to put that information in a, into a to-do for yourself that you can actually do. So let's refer back to the budgeting, right? Like I put out a spreadsheet um, that I think is really helpful and that has worked for some of my clients on, on the website, right? But if you went onto my website and you downloaded that spreadsheet and you were totally overwhelmed by it, you thought it was stupid and you didn't think that it was something that you could do on a daily basis, that wouldn't necessarily be for you, right? <laughs> I know that kind of sounds self-explanatory. You're like, why are you telling me this lady? Of course, I already know that. Um, But at the same time, it's like, it makes sense, right? Because that maybe isn't the right way for you to be doing it. Um, I think, I mean, there are definitely some hangups, I think, in general about that, that we can get into um, for sure, about how maybe it's your thoughts that are keeping you from having, you know, success with certain ways of looking at things. But you do have to think of a way to do things that is constructive for your own benefit. Um, And I see this with clients a lot, right? Like when I meet with a client, and especially when we're going over budgeting, which is a very sensitive thing where some people feel like they should be able to spend money no matter what kind of income they have coming in and doesn't really matter what I say. And some people who don't want to spend any money no matter how much income they have coming in, right? Like I've seen it all and all, all like throughout the spectrum. But they have to agree, you have to agree with the advice for sure. And it has to be something that you're willing to do. So for the clients who don't like to spend very much, right, when I go and say, hey, like, go take a fancy vacation somewhere because you're, you know, like, you're not enjoying your life at all. If that's not something that they're able to do, then that's terrible advice. Um, And I know for, like, a lot of people who are listening to this, they're like, who wouldn't want to take a fancy vacation that their financial advisor, like, you know, a-okayed. It's hard for some people, whereas the opposite is certainly true as well, right? Like, I get a lot of pushback from clients when I say, hey, you're dining out way too much. Um, Are you really getting some benefit from this? And um, the immediate response is, I am, you know, I need to do this because it's convenient for me. So you can't tell somebody who dines out, you know, every single day that they now have to start cooking all of their meals. That's not something that they're actually going to be able to do. That's not good advice. So, 
when you're thinking about your own situation, whether or not you're able to follow your own advice or follow the advice of somebody else, you have to make sure that you take that advice and can can make it condense it into something that you're actually able to do. Um, and instead, like, I mean, you could look at what you've done before, right? I know that, like, as human beings, we tend to make the same mistakes over, over and over again, right? We all do that. And that's, I think, part of the human condition in general. But maybe the reason why you're here and maybe the reason why you're listening to this is because you don't want to do that anymore. And maybe that's, you know, the first step is accepting that, hey, I have made mistakes in the past, and now it's time for me to change. Now it's time for me to agree with some sort of way to move forward and then act on it, act on it in a way that's actually conductive to my specific situation. Um, and there's a number of other pressures um, that Dr. Summers went over, which I'd like to go over here. So the first one's financial. Um <laughs> I know, financial, crazy, right? So we have money beliefs, and this is something that we've talked about, but we have these financial beliefs that are ingrained in our brain, and these are beliefs that we can certainly change, right? But it's hard to do that. And a lot of the time, why we can't stick to advice and why we're unable to follow advice in general is just based on those beliefs. Maybe the the advice that we're getting is contradicting the belief that we have in our brain. Um, and this kind of goes back to some of the other episodes where we've talked about changing those thoughts. Um, it's sometimes really difficult to do, but it can be really worthwhile. So for instance, if you are one of these people who have a thought in your head of, let's say like, you know, life's short, so you got to live a little, right? <laughs> How many times have you heard that one? I've heard that so many times. Life's short, we got to live a little. Um, life is actually the longest thing that we all do. I just want to point that out. <laughs> But anyways, sorry, not, not enough of my cheesy jokes here. Um, life's short. We got to live a little, right? I already kind of feel a little bit of spending happening here because life is short and we got to experience things and we have to spend money on stuff and we got to make things happen. We got to seize the day because tomorrow might not be here, right? That directly, that money belief directly contradicts with being put on a budget, for instance, um, for sure, and if you have a belief that you're not willing to challenge like that, then it's going to be really hard to, let's say, change your spending behaviors if you're overspending, for instance, in this example. Um, another example of these things. So I hear investing type scripts all the time. Um, I specifically hear the one about real estate. So I'll use that one as an example. Um, clients, they don't want to invest in the stock market because that feels bad and feels like a gamble and feels like they can lose all their money in the stock market, but they want to put their money into real estate because real estate is tangible. It's something that they can see, feel, touch, taste, right? I guess theoretically you could taste it, right? You could eat the wall or something. <laughs> but so I hear that quite a bit. And then, but right, like having a hundred percent of your assets in real estate is actually a really piss poor way to, I think, be diversified and build and grow wealth while you're doing other things. So this is not investment advice. I'm just putting that out there. Diversification is always better. Um, <laughs> that said, right, like, so if that person, if a person comes to me and they're dead set on real estate, right, and then I'm showing them a diversified plan with a portion of their assets in real estate and a bunch of their assets in other things, they're not going to be very open to that idea, right? Because that's not something that they necessarily agree with. And that goes back to their money beliefs, because the belief there is that real estate is a superior investment to, let's say, stocks or something else. So that definitely plays into how we take advice and whether or not we follow advice is just our beliefs around money in general. 
And then there's the actual advice itself, right? So there's, right, there's the belief that we have about the advice, but then there's the advice. So in this case, right, the let's talk about the case of you only live once and um, this person's overspending and needs to be put on a budget, right? Like me just saying, hey, we got to cut back on your spending. Yeah, it's it's the right advice for sure, right? But maybe the way I deliver the advice or the way the person is hearing the advice isn't necessarily aiding them in the ability to follow this advice. So the actual advice itself has to be constructive, right? And it has to be given in a way that that person can hear based on all these other factors, one of them being money beliefs. Um, And other factors that play into that are basically our circumstances, right? Who we are as people, our our intelligence or our emotional intelligence, um, and just the characteristics in general that make us up as a person are the things that play into whether or not we're willing to listen to the advice that is being given to us. There's also who is giving the advice. So it has to be a trusted person, right? Our level of trust of that person is... it's like usually commensurate with whether or not we're willing to follow the advice, right? Because so for instance, if, um, I don't know, a homeless person on the corner is giving you advice about your finances (laughs) versus, you know, somebody who's credentialed and who, um, has been doing this for a living for a very long time. Um, and who is, you've heard other pieces of advice that they've given in the past that you've agreed with, right? There's a very big difference between the homeless person on the corner and the person who you trust. Um, and, you know, the, how the advice is delivered is also based on who that person is, right? So, I mean, maybe the homeless person on the corner is really, you know, motivational, (laughs) in which case you'll actually be able to follow his advice versus the other person. So I don't, I mean, you know, I'm just, you know, throwing examples out there, but generally the way the advice is delivered is really key into how we're, we follow it and whether or not we're able to do it. And then the last thing that really plays into it is our social surroundings. So, um, keeping up with the Joneses is, is like a real thing. Um, and it's funny because I didn't really care about it so much. Um, I, I've never really cared about that all that much. Like my husband and I were kind of weird and I don't think that he would think it was bad for me saying that, um, publicly on a podcast because <laughs> he knows that we're really weird. Um, <laughs> and we were never really all that swayed about what people were doing around us. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's not a real thing, um, just because it wasn't necessarily something that affected us. But it is something that I see affect my clients all the time. And now that we have a child, I actually feel like we're less weird than we used to be. Um, <laughs> and that we are being pulled by some of these social pressures, right? Because, like, my clients, you know, they have childcare or um, they have other needs with their children that we're finding maybe we didn't believe we needed before, before we were parents. But now that we are parents, these things are starting to come up, right? Like I'm already researching a twos program for my son. Whereas before I was like, yeah, like whatever, I'm just going to work from home. And like my kid will sit there on the floor, like entertaining himself. And it's going to be awesome. Um, He's not doing that. In case you were wondering, he never does that. He definitely wants to be entertained by one of us or somebody else in his family. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, we have to, we comply with social norms. There's a reason why there are social norms, right? Because these are things that people do. And money is kind of the thing behind all of these things. So if you are feeling social pressures, it makes sense. Um, and one of these things that's kind of cool about social pressures is that it, it's it's often talked about as something that is negative, that um, 
you know, social pressures are bad because people end up overspending or they buy things that they don't need or they're trying to keep up with their neighbors. So they end up making investments that are poorer because, you know, the neighbor did one thing. So they felt like they had to do it too. I mean, here this all the time in these articles and other stupid things. Um, but they never really talk about the good influences that we have from our surroundings. So I think one of the greatest things is if you're, um, if you have a relationship, like a friendship or a family member, somebody who is really taking good care of themselves, um, both, you know, mentally, physically, financially, all around, right? That, you know, we all have maybe somebody that we know that's like that. And you actually can benefit from hearing about the things that they're doing. Um, I've found that my most disciplined friends, even if, let's say, they're not disciplined in certain areas of their lives that I'm trying to become more disciplined about, just hearing about the things that they do and the way that they interact um, and the way that they, you know, have forged relationships or changed things in their lives or made really significant behavior change, right? All of these things play into how we apply it to our money, for sure. And people like that can be a really good, significant influence on us as well. So social pressures, while they exist and they can be negative, they also can be really quite positive. And actually, I've seen this with some of my clients who, um, where the clients are clients, and then I also have family members. Um, and they kind of feed off of each other. It's actually really amazing when when one person starts to get really financially successful or financially healthy, another person in the family sees that financial success and they want to have it too, and they're much more willing to do the work as a result of it. Um, I even heard about a family where um, the the financial planner like basically got in the room with them, uh, with the whole family, and was like made it a game of like who had their estate plans, who had their budgets in check, who had their insurance all planned out, like who was doing tax planning, and then like the weak link, you know, in the family was like, oh man, everybody else in the family is like really doing good stuff here, and I'm like lagging behind. I want to do it too. I want to like be on that checklist. So, um, as far as that's concerned, social pressures actually can really do some more good than harm in some cases and certainly harm harm as well but for sure good and I think that you should focus on the good in your own life and the people around you who are doing good things one of the questions I actually always ask in my questionnaire when I speak to clients for the first time oh well not the very first time but when we do our goals um meeting is is there a friend or a family member or a close person around you who has been in maybe an analogous financial situation or in any financial situation where um, they've talked to you about how they've benefited from certain things that they've done. And sometimes I get no's. <laughs> I think his money's so taboo and nobody wants to talk about it even with their close family members. But sometimes I get yeses and I'm like, oh, okay, great. Like, tell me about it. What did that family member do? And the person tells, you know, whatever it is that the family member did. I can think of off the top of my head, one of my clients was saying that, you know, they had crushing student loan debt um, and one, and her, sis, her sister had the same thing. And she said that her sister really just started tracking everything that they were spending um, and putting as much towards the loans as possible. And they made sacrifices in areas that felt like they could make sacrifices and they stopped doing that in other areas. They felt like certain things were really important to them. Um, for instance, they wanted to keep date night in place um, to keep their relationship going and everything else. So they left that in place and they pretty much took out every other pleasure um, that they had to pay off the student loan debt. And, she was really proud when she was talking about this with her sister, which I, I found to be really interesting. 
Um, and I asked her I, about it. I was like, you know, is this something that you feel like you can do? And she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. She's like, that's why I'm hiring you. I like want you to figure out another way for me to get out from under the student loan debt so that I don't have to do that. <laughs> and I was like, I hate to tell you this, but it's always like that. You have to make some sacrifices to get out of debt. But um, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so I hope that when you're listening to this, you can start making some changes. I think like my, the number one reason why I've always wanted to do this and why I wanted to put my voice out there and why I wanted to talk to people about their financial lives and the things that they can do is to really make a difference. And it really does mean that you have to do the work and it's not enough to just consume the information. It's really not enough. You can't just sit here and listen to me week after week and think that your life is going to change. You can't just, like, you know, even log onto the website and look at the worksheets and have an intention of doing them but never doing them. Nothing is going to change for you. And this is a question that I tell, I ask my clients quite a bit. Um, I say to them, if in a year from now, after we've been working together, we've accomplished many things on your list, what would those things be? How would you be feeling looking back on it? And what would change for you personally as a result of us doing this work together over the course of a year? And I think this is a good place for you to be thinking about these things as well. I hope that you've been listening to me for the last six months as I've been doing this. I hope that you've been keeping up with all the different podcasts and I hope that you've been doing the homework and I hope that you've been really taking to heart some of the things that I've been saying because I'm telling you these things so that you can make changes in your life. But maybe the way that I'm giving you the advice isn't exactly how it will work for you. Maybe there's another way for you. Maybe you need to think a little bit more about some of the things that I'm saying to apply it directly to your situation and to make those things work for you. So I hope that you will take some time to think about who you want to be over the next year financially, how you can make that happen, and how you would feel looking back on that time in a year from now if you really did make all those changes. Because sometimes all we need is to think about what it'll feel like in, ahead of time to do the things that are really right for us in our financial situation. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Money Owners. I um, will be doing a Q&A episode in um, two episodes, so that's about a month from now. Um, I have some family actually coming into town for um, Fourth of July and everything else, so I'm hoping to get these episodes out on time. But forgive me if they're not exactly two weeks apart, but I will promise, promise, promise to try my hardest. In the meantime, send in your Q&A. Um, send questions to me. You can find me um, moneyowners.com slash askmorgan with an E. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at Morgan with an E Rochard or at money underscore owners. And if you like the podcast and you like everything I have to say, please write a five-star review. I'd really, really appreciate it. Um, And otherwise, I'll see y'all in two weeks. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.